0: outside the box hello and welcome to october's outside the box it's only three weeks since we did one but i won't bore you with a conversation about schedules that i just bored mickey and jen with <laughs> i am joined by mickey noonan oi, oi. and jen offered can we talk about schedules more please <laughs> So a couple of things that I promised that we would talk about this month in last month's and I'm already making it too confusing for myself and a couple of other things to talk about and then whatever you guys have been watching. I thought we could start with ghosts just because ghosts. There's been four episodes on the telly as we speak but the, the big event has happened so I feel like we can talk about it in a spoilery way and I'm pretty sure that most people have already watched it all within about the first week on the iPlayer anyway So, Mary got sucked
1: off. She got absolutely sucked off. She's gone, gone. I wailed so (laughs) hard throughout most of that episode. Yeah,
0: just to explain to Jen, who looks a little bit confused, that is the character played by Katie Wicks, who we love. I've been on this podcast twice. She's great, read her book. Sucked off, being Mary's own expression for (laughs) being taken well I suppose to heaven whatever you think is next she is no longer a ghost the door opened for her she went to the other side and it happened really quickly really really quickly so much so that I thought it really mastered that kind of confusion that you have about grief cause for about the next 10 minutes of that episode I kept thinking how are they going to manage to get her back and I actually mm. was struggling to accept that she was gone I kept yeah, thinking that... some bizarre loophole would happen or it would be one of Mary's dreams because Mary quite famously has weird dreams but yeah
1: that whole episode is just such an exquisite study in grief and dealing with grief and how all the different characters react to Mary being sucked off yeah. And it is so warm and considerate and emotionally intelligent. I think it's it's just stunning. It's just stunning.
0: Yeah, written by Ben Wilbond on his own. They usually write in pairs. He wrote this one on his own. And I think yeah, apart from that first Christmas episode, which was written by Simon Farnaby. It probably packed the most emotional wallop of of any episode of Ghosts I've ever seen. I mean, there is always an edge to Ghosts. You know, the Captain is a really you know the captain, tragic com- yeah. Com- yeah, really character, is. and Pat has a lot of pathos to him. Because I like Mary. Mary was one of my one of my favourite ghosts. Probably top three, I would say.
1: Agreed, agreed. It's worth saying the rest of the episodes before that, and indeed after that, are excellent. But it is there's no doubt that is. Yeah. totally the standout it's so so good I felt they'd crumbed it quite well because when you
0: watch back she tells her story for the first time she talks about her witch trial she has that nice day with Pat where she tells him about what her life was like and he says it sounds like the nicest holiday anybody's ever been on which was lovely and also the episode that had Bridget Christie in it Bridget mm. Christie is so great in this yeah she is which she'd been in it before but they brought her back Well we learn about how she, how she sort of taught Mary to you know, stand up for herself. And, and then when she'd achieved that, then she got taken off. So it was all, she got sucked off. It was all sort of laid out there and breadcrumbs for you. But nonetheless, it was still a massive shock. So excellent writing there.
1: Agreed. Have you watched it again, Hannah?
0: I have Yeah, I've watched <laughs> it twice. It's just brilliant. I think it's episode five, which will be on tonight, which is probably when you're listening to this. and so maybe there is a spoiler in which the captain and Pat are having an argument about what the best cup of tea is. Um Pat says, I'm from Yorkshire, I'm basically made of tea <laughs> and it's still got so many funny lies. And also <laughs> his his real Yorkshireness comes out when he meets another ghost briefly as well. So yeah, there's just so many lovely touches in it that it just really makes me laugh at the same time as well. Yeah. I have Did you like my Yorkshire accent?
1: <laughs> uh I was trying not to I was just brushing my over that. I have <laughs> one teeny tiny issue with ghosts. And I wondered if I'm on my own here within this group. I realise no one's ever on their own with any opinion ever. And anyone who starts a tweet with, is it just me, can get in the fucking bin. Because no, of course it's not. So Thomas, the poet from the past, obviously he's a ghost. Of course he's from the past. I absolutely detest his hounding. Yeah. His harassment of Alison. And it has been a constant in all four Mm. series now. And they even have an episode in this series where they try to deal with it and it doesn't work. And I just I'm just so bored of it. And I'm just so sick of that trope. And I think it's quite I mean, dangerous sounds really dramatic, but it's just not it's just not a good thing to sort of make funny. That's my tiny issue. Well, my one issue with ghosts.
0: Yeah, agreed. I would say that Thomas is is
1: the character that, that I most often I'm like, oh, God. Also, Mike absolutely drives me crackers because he's an idiot, but yeah. I think it works. Uh, yeah. I think it works for the story and it it sort of propels the story. So I will allow it <laughs> with all of my authority over ghosts and everything else is so perfect, which I think is why they, that, that one jars so much with me. It's interesting with with
0: comedy as well isn't it because sometimes you can just slam the same joke forever and it's still funny like for example the fact that mike looks up in the air when he talks to the ghosts
1: the fact that julian's not wearing any trousers
0: (laughs) exactly exactly that but i also like the fact that 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 it fills in stuff like for example there's the episode in which robin learns that man has been to the moon which is completely mind blown by but by the time that Mary dies, he actually knows enough about the moon. He knows what the International Space Station is. He's able to progress. So Thomas should be able to progress as well as a character.
2: Why haven't you watched Ghost yet? Explain I've watched it. Yourself. I think I've watched it maybe once or twice. My mum watches it. She loves it.
1: It is so good. Oh, it's just so easy to watch and so heartwarming and yet actually tackles some really big topics. It's, it's very, very clever yeah i love them hannah is there anything you want to uh, let the listeners know now we're talking about ghosts
0: yeah yeah it's not absolutely definitely confirmed we haven't got a time and date confirmed but watch out for international men's day the pathos is is coming
1: We'll <laughs> leave it at that we can find out who actually does know what the best tea is <laughs> we be can the tea we on literally
0: Issue. can yeah. that's
1: influencer talk isn't it spilling the tea is it i don't know what it means i think it means some gossip is it yeah Uh,
0: whenever i see an expression that i don't know what it means and i google it it's always something fucking filthy always
1: (laughs) it's always some really rank reddit look it up on urban dictionary yeah (laughs) 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 also spilling the tea around your house just means peggy's in the room
0: absolutely right so the other thing that i said i was going to talk about um, actually, before then, I might just dip into the, the BBC because there is something else on the BBC that's getting a lot of publicity at the moment. It's a drama. It's called The Inside Man. It's by Stephen Moffat. Not a huge fan of Stephen Moffat, I have to say, but we know who he is, guys. Yes, Doctor Who, Sherlock, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Yep. Et Stars David Tennant and Stanley Tucci, which should be enough to draw people to it. or well, it certainly was enough to draw me to it. Stanley Tucci is in prison and he's sort of this Hannibal Lecter-esque character, and he has a psychic who is a serial killer who is hilarious. And this is the first 10 minutes I'm talking about here. And then something happens in this that is so fucking stupid. Something that if somebody <laughs> had just said one thing, just literally one thing differently then the entire next however long this is going to drag on for would not happen, happens. And I just refuse to invest my time in dramas that lazy. So I haven't watched any more of it. So yeah, quite a solid first 10 minutes.
1: Then it can fuck off. <laughs> I think either that's you fair enough. It... No, I'm not going to do now either. Maybe I'll watch that first 10 minutes because I do really like Stanley Tucci. And I do think serial killers are lols. no. Um... <laughs>
0: OK, so the other thing that I, I sort of mentioned that I'd watched, but it was only, had only just started, so I hadn't, was This England, which is on Sky, which is written by Kieran Quirk and Michael Winterbottom. And I covered this, so apologies if you listen to this and I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's a docudrama, which means it's a mix of film footage, what I call fake film footage, which is actual new footage, but shot to look like it's old Film footage. Wouldn't the Crime Watch call that a reconstruction? Um, you'll sometimes have a bit of a newscast, and then you'll have where Boris Johnson was, Kenneth Branagh, like now playing Boris Johnson, but shot also like it's a newscast. And then there is drama, and it is very quick. I would imagine it's a format that not a huge amount of people would enjoy. Just whizzes around the country, and the idea is that it's almost like a prolonged documentary about what happened. But obviously, it's not a documentary, which is, I think, where a lot of the problems that people will have had with it lie. Now, I think this format works. I'm a really big fan of, of Welcome to Sarajevo, my Winter Bottoms film about the war in Bosnia. I think I've written that down to be something we can watch on Rated or Dated, because I think it probably like deserves a second look. And I think it works really well, but it's not for, for everybody. It's set, here's a day... And then you see the date come up and then it's all this shit happened in this day. Here's tomorrow. Here's the date come up. Here's all this shit. So it's spread across this enormous. There's stuff that happens in a mosque in Bradford. There's stuff that happens in a nursing home in in Southampton. Helen Monks is in that bit. They're in another nursing home. They're in a hospital in London. It's set entirely in England. And I have seen some complaints that, you know, why is this about England when the whole UK went through the pandemic? but. I think if you want to criticise Boris for what he did, you can only really look at England because Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland were making their own decisions, weren't they, mm-hmm. with, with terms to health. So, you know, if they'd put that stuff in, the criticism would have been, well, he didn't make that decision. That was Nicola Sturgeon, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So it
2: it is about Boris Johnson. Just going to say, also the question of Brexit is a bit more... Because all of this stuff is kind of interlinked, isn't it? Like the all of the mm. stuff that went on under, you know, like yeah. Cummings and, and Johnson and et cetera, et cetera. I think all of the sort of brexit stuff is a more kind of, obviously it has ramifications, but we're the fuckers that voted for it is is what I mean. Hmm.
1: Not, so, not those three fuckers. No, not uh, us. No, we 100%. didn't,
2: personally. I mean, it, England is responsible for that yeah, shit. Yeah, where it got
1: carried yeah. through. Yeah. I've seen a lot of
0: criticism of it. The Guardian didn't like it because they thought it was too sympathetic to Boris Johnson because it showed him as a man who had a pregnant partner who caught the bug, was really ill and, you know, was struggling to do his job. And I got a problem with that review in the sense of, if you think that makes Boris Johnson sympathetic, that's on you. That is actually what he was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's all true. None of that is made up. If you think that makes him look sympathetic, then that says something to you as a a viewer. They can't make stuff up. They can't have said that Carrie Johnson wasn't pregnant. Mm. They just can't have done it. I've also seen criticism from the right-wing press that says it blames Boris Johnson for stuff. It's incomplete. It's over raw. And I mean it is it is overwrought but i feel like it's a topic we should be overwrought about i think what it does the best thing that it does is it just juxtaposes stuff without comment and it's up to you to decide what you make of it and therefore i suppose i can't complain that reviewers have made what they wanted of it there's a brilliant bit where carrie johnson who is pregnant and says i don't think i should be here in number 10 it's really early on in it so i don't think i should be here there's a lot of people here i think i should go somewhere else Which is actually fair enough and treats Mm. her quite sympathetically, I think, because she was heavily pregnant. and she I mean, Jen, you'll understand this. Even her in the position that she was in didn't have any information (laughs) of what was going on. Nobody had any information about what it was going to do. So you see her leaving and getting her bags carried and put in a car so she can go to whatever flat or, you know, checkers or wherever she's going. I can't remember. And the very next scene, you see a hospital cleaner come home and say to her dad... OK, Dad, you're going to have to look after yourself for a bit now because I've got to move into the caravan in the front garden because I've got to stay away from you. And her husband's been sent home from work for COPD. So, like, you, your lad's on your own and I'm living in a caravan. And the mm. juxtaposition of you can be sympathetic as you like to Carrie Johnson because she was in a scary situation. But at the same point, she had fucking choices and those choices were way better than the choices that average people had. And I think that point, it makes fantastically. Sorry, did either of you get around to watching it?
2: No, I haven't haven't seen it. So I have some thoughts, but not loads.
1: To quote one of my favourites, the wonderful Hilary Mantel, history is a process, not a locked box. And I think it's really interesting and very telling in how we deal with stuff, in how quickly we apply hindsight. And actually Mm. at the time, and I have no sympathy for Boris Johnson, very little to no sympathy for Carrie Johnson either but they were dealing with what happened at the time so to go and apply hindsight to make them look either more sympathetic for the Daily Mail readers mm. or less sympathetic for the Guardian readers yeah. is to do what is actual history and injustice
0: yeah agreed very much agreed if you see the first one Jen <laughs> some credit where credit's due Simon Paisley Day is Dominic Cummings in it. And at first, he seems slightly disappointing because you have this idea of Dominic Cummings in your head as being this, like, full psychopath. Mm. But actually, as episodes progress, you realise he is, but it's just kind of a, a reasonably low-key psychopath. Mm. So actually, it's a really great performance. Andrew Buchan as Matt Hancock is borderline hilarious. Comes really clear early on, like, how absent you know, Boris Johnson is. We know Boris Johnson didn't go to those early Cobra meetings, but actually seeing Matt Hancock in those Cobra meetings, Boris Johnson's absence seems even more striking because there's a bit where they show him like something that's going on in China with the people in the big suits and he says, oh cool, they look like they're in E.T. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny just how out of his depth he is. And I think Olivia Loverbond is, is very good unless she plays Carrie Johnson. And also... A big hello to Helen Monks because we
2: love her and she is also great in this. Do they at any point over the course of the thing, um, of the the series, I guess, do they at any point have Matt Hancock's shaky hand with the Care We Care badge or whatever it was they were going to give to um Because I'd like to see that recreate. They
0: might have, they include loads and loads of stuff. All of the greatest hits of COVID yeah. fuck-ups are in there. All of the sort of stupid stuff. I
2: mean, that was a real banger. <laughs>
0: yeah but what also to give it and i know people a lot of people are also saying it's too soon i don't want to watch this but also i think the other thing that it is a a reminder of and maybe people will find it upsetting but i think it's worth reminding is that almost everybody who dies in this is old or from an ethnic minority i mean go on jen sorry i've been talking for ages no
2: so my thoughts i've only i've only watched one episode and i think like on the the point about whether or not they are portrayed as sympathetic characters, as you say, that's kind of like a, you know, that's that's subjective, really, isn't it? But I personally, I don't think they're portrayed as sympathetic at all. They're they're portrayed. Boris and Carrie are portrayed as like he's portrayed as a bumbling fuck, a selfish prick, and an absolute an, an coward, fuck. a fucking yeah. coward He's too scared to tell his children that he's having a baby and and all of this stuff. So I don't I don't think they're portrayed sympathetically. At all, but I guess it depends where you stand on, on those things, doesn't it? If you're someone who thinks, like, Oh, well, I see his point or whatever, then you're going to find him sympathetic. Yeah, and you're right, yeah, like a lazy fucking bastard. For me, it was too soon. It, I felt like it, this is too soon. I've, it made me feel quite um, a sort of heightened sense of anxiety watching it that was a bit too much like, oh, God, I I actually remember what this felt like and it (laughs) it wasn't nice was it guys so for me it was too soon i don't think that means it's too soon in general but just for me personally i'm not ready to go back there yet but you know maybe in a few years time a few months time even who knows maybe then i will be i thought it was good for sure it's just not something i can take on board at this point it's not for everybody by any stretch of the imagination
0: nothing that michael winterbottom does is for everybody
2: Mm. but i don't even think that it's not i don't think that it's not for me i just think that it's it is just too soon for me to want to revisit that period basically and i like i understand the arguments as to why they've done it so i don't think it's too soon it's just for me i don't want to watch it right now that's all Mm.
1: I don't have anything to add, apart from my brain always gets Michael Winterbottom and Michael Winner confused. Me too. I'm just really sorry to Michael Winterbottom. For that yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> God, can you imagine some of the th- things he's made, made by Michael Winner? 24-hour party <laughs> people sticks out as a, a particular clusterfuck, <laughs> doesn't it? He's the calm down dear guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that is an incredible statement, uh, Jen. <laughs>
2: i don't know what's he made i don't know anything he's made i just know he's the guy in the adverts or was the guy in the adverts that said calm down dear i know he's a famous director but i couldn't name anything he's made violence and
0: and like what they called the ones with bronze death wish they're michael winner aren't they i
1: I don't i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just know that i get him confused with michael okay let's stop this
0: nonsense this madness now we'll be back after the break Mickey. Hello. You and I have been watching something on Disney Plus, Disney Plus, I keep forgetting that bit. But you have been watching something yourself on Disney, so I thought Plus, Disney Plus. I thought we might start with
1: you. <laughs> you literally plus, just reminded plus. yourself about the plus. I am going to go in with some big talk. Really big talk. Succession, The Sopranos, Ghosts, and Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares or, given this is Disney+, Ratatouille. And by this I mean The Bear, Christopher Storer's frenetic eight-parter served in snappy half-hour episodes about Carmen Carmi Bazzato Bazzato, my Italian-American's not very good, a stupidly talented young chef from the fine dining world who returns home to Chicago to run family sandwich joint The Original Beef after the suicide of his big brother Michael. Jeremy Allen White is... Just staggering as Carmi, to whom Michael has bequeathed not only the beef, but also its raggle-taggle crew of staff, headed by Michael's best friend and professional knobrash, Richie, that's Yvonne Moss, Backrack, and a shitload of money trouble. Michael, played by John Burnthor, in brief flashbacks, it turns out had addiction issues. Carmi is also dealing with the angry grief of his younger sister, Sugar, that's Abby Elliot, while desperately ignoring his own. Inheriting the beef might be a massive headache, but it is also an escape from dealing with his emotions. Or is it? Because, of course, the beef, with its connections to Michael, symbolises more than getting the food right. The bear is packed with big topics, grief, suicide, addiction, debt, anxiety, ambition, fear, but it handles them so deftly with emotional honesty and, absolutely key for me, humour, And I don't just mean a wry smile. The bear is belly laugh funny a lot, even in what are also meant to be the most moving scenes, such as the one where we see Richie struggling with the emotions his best friend killing himself have brought about, while an inflatable hot dog very, very slowly inflates behind him. (laughs) It's glorious. So episode one thrusts us right into the frying pan and the fire with Carmi as he tries to bring some sort of order to this pell mell kitchen, but is faced with suspicion, not to mention belligerence from staff unwilling to break from Michael's system and unimpressed by his fancy hope cuisine ways. There's Tina, that's Lisa Colonzias, truculent as they come, who refuses to call Carmi chef but instead just calls him Jeff the whole time. Unhurried but sweet baker Marcus, that's Lionel Boyce. And Carmi's ambitious new recruit, Sydney, an utterly terrific io edibiri, the only one who gets Carmi, and why he is to be admired. And he is. Is he messed up? Hell yeah. Is he the sort of raging chef ego we see in, say, Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares? Not at all. He is generous and big hearted and kind and really, really likeable. For me, though, that first episode is so fast and loud and stressful and tense. It is a miracle I didn't have a heart's heart watching it. And indeed, an element of chaos is key to the whole of the bear. But that's not just busy kitchens, is it? It's families, it's life. And this is a slice of it that is really very, very tasty. Should you watch it? Yes, chef. Yes, chef, I shall. Also, I saw someone compare it to Ted Lasso, Jen. So I think you would really like it too. Interesting.
0: Talking of taking recommendations, Jen, you took Mickey's recommendation last month, didn't you?
2: Karen Perry. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Have you seen it all yeah, now, Jen? I loved it. I thought it was great. It was cracking. Was isn't it? not yeah. the ending I predicted. I
1: guessed it in episode one, but I am um, smug oh, <laughs> and also quite cunning. Those. I did
2: have a bit of a like, oh, something not right about these guys, but like I'd spent the whole thing going, "You are barking up the wrong tree, love," and then I had formed. A very firm view about what I thought had happened, and it was not that so she was barking at oh. the wrong tree, but it was not what I thought it was, so yeah, no it was it was surprising. <laughs> I just thought it was really I really liked it, you know there's no like gratuitous, awful, violent stuff as you say as you as you said last time, Mick, and I think it's really warm, and I like the characters, and it's quite. It's funny in a very, like, understated way. Like, Mm. there's a nice kind of, like, warm sort of sense of humour running through it, which, you know, having met Val McDermid is, you know, unsurprising to me. Absolutely. But, yeah, I thought it was was great. I would, yeah. Big recommend. Big recommend an ITV detective programme. Who
0: knew? Who knew? Now, talking of being able to spot what's coming, Mickey... And it not making a huge amount of difference. Let's talk about The Old Man, which is on Disney Plus, which I started watching for one reason and one reason only, Mm -hmm. and that is it contains the world's hottest pensioner, Mr. Jeff Bridges.
1: (laughs) Which is exactly why I started watching it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's very much a TV programme that's designed for my dad. And I don't think that necessarily is a bad thing, because my dad and I liked quite a lot of the same stuff. But it does have a feel. It comes from a, a Thomas Perry book. It does have the feel of a sort of, well, FX, which is where it started. FX has made some great stuff. You know, it made the Americans, but, you know, it doesn't always make great stuff. So,
1: Oh, the bear is also FX, just interestingly,
0: to say. As well as Justified. I mean, it does make some good stuff. But anyway. Atlanta is FX. It tells the story of a man who, I mean... <sighs> I think this is one of these programs that even when you get to the end of it and you know what's happened, you still don't really know what's happened unless you understand (laughs) the intricate workings of the CIA. So let's say he worked in that sort of field. He was in Afghanistan. Something happened when he was in Afghanistan the first time we're talking about. So, you know, when they were trying to kick the Russians out and he's been living with his wife and daughter you know under a assumed identity and that gets compromised and now he's on the run and people are chasing him and as this chase is progressing so is the story unraveling about why people are after him in the first place what did happen in afghanistan in like 1980 or whenever it was got other good people in it and i think that also is what makes it rise above what are quite basic origins in terms of plot mm-hmm. Uh, John Lithgow is the man who's chasing him. Alia Shawcat, Amy Brenneman, who people may or may not recognise from The Leftovers. Yenga Akinagbi from The Wire. Hayama Bass from Succession. So, like, good people in it. I spotted what was going on, I think, from about the first 10 minutes. The first big shock that this delivers to you, I'd worked out really, really quickly and having seen five episodes, I would say that I also am pretty sure what's going on in it. But I suppose watching John Lithgow work it out is also interesting enough in itself to keep me watching it. And I think Jeff Bridges is just fan fucking fantastic in everything he does. So I will keep watching. Mickey.
1: It is excellent because the performances are excellent. And I think, you know, I don't really have very much to add to what you've just said because the reason it's excellent is purely because of that because the plot is kind of we've seen it before it's mm. spy gone rogue i don't know agent gone rogue uh, it's, it's every bond film ever made but uh, you know yeah. it's got the world's hottest pensioner in it also it did make me laugh yeah. amy brenneman has yeah. a scene almost an entire episode where she chooses to be silent and i just thought fucking typecast man <laughs> <laughs> yeah Also, it's got two excellent Rottweilers in it, I've got to say. I I was waiting for you to say that. I was
0: waiting for you to say that. They do scare me because, well, you see what Rottweilers can do in this. So there's a reason
1: for them to scare you. But at the same time, they're absolutely lovely faces. Uh, I had a Rottweiler Hagar and he was the squishiest little puppy dog that ever did live he was wonderful but he was very protective of me I can understand why other people didn't find him the squishiest little puppy dog that ever did live
0: Um, yeah I mean he wasn't little Mickey for a start I mean that no he was fucking massive (laughs) straight descriptions would get you on that
1: and also he would protect me by sitting on my chest which was actually quite the weight to have on, on you Jen,
0: you haven't watched The Old Man, but do feel free to weigh in on how attractive Jeff Bridges is, if you feel like <laughs> it. Because, I, I shit you not, I got three messages in a day telling me that Jeff Bridges was really hot. <laughs> one was from Mickey, one was from another friend, I won't name her, and one was from my auntie Jackie. I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. Because uh, they'd obviously all started watching The Old Man at the same time.
2: I love how you is the world's hottest penster. What about Nigel Havers? So out of order. <laughs> I uh, I saw the picture you put in the mail out the other week. Did you put it in the mail out or did you tweet it? You definitely put a picture of a young Jeff Bridges. She, she put it in yeah. the mail
1: out, yeah. And once again, if you haven't subscribed, it just treats, treats all over the place. I do, and as you said in the mail out, I do feel sorry for the, the guy playing the young Jeff Bridges in the sort of flashbacks to Afghanistan in the yeah. 80s. Because, wow. But I actually think... He's got his sort of mannerisms and presence really well. I've also got to say that I think John Lithgow is fucking great in it too. Yeah, agreed. And young John Lithgow
0: is a really good impersonation, isn't the right word, but portrayal of of young John Lithgow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Okay, I've got one more thing to mention and then we'll have a bit of a roundup and see if anybody else has got anything else to say. The walk-in. ITV drama. It's the ITV drama portion. Ooh,
1: and it'll be taken this week by ITV me. drama.
0: Not by Jen. And written by Jeff Pope. So, I mean, obviously that is a mark of quality and starring Stephen Graham. Should we just end it there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Hannah, what made you want to watch this?
0: <laughs> ITV, mate. A retelling of the story of Jack... Renshaw, who was found guilty of planning to kill mp rosie cooper in i think 2018 we actually talked about it on the podcast maybe not when it happened but i think when we were doing the roundup of all the terrible things that had happened to female mps this was on the list he belonged to a far right group so it is about sort of the rise of far right groups and it's told through the organization hope not hate they're quite difficult to categorise as an organisation because they do a lot of stuff, but they're basically an anti-fascist group that does education and outreach stuff. They have a an online newspaper, so and it's told through one of their journalists, Matthew Collins, played by Stephen Graham, and he was once himself part of a far-right group and now sort of works for this anti-fascist organisation. And it's about what happens when a man called Robbie Mullins contacts him to say my group is planning to kill Rosie Cooper. And so it's about the complicated relationship between Hope Not Hate and the police and between police and, you know, people that come forward to whatever you want to call it, inform or grass or, you know, whistleblow on these organisations. It shows the police as being exceptionally out of touch with what was happening on the ground with far-right groups. I mean, I think... Anyone who listens to keep bringing it up. Anyone listens to listen to the Spy Cops interview should remember. I was that just going to
1: say that who they didn't were, the police, who the, were the police
0: infiltrating? They weren't infiltrating far right groups. Who are the terror groups going after? They're not going after far right groups. It shows how fucked up all of that is. It's obviously written from the point of view of hope, not hate. So they obviously come out really well from this. But what I will say is that Matthew Collins comes out as a very sort of complicated. Character, he's not a hero in this. He's got complicating motivations, so he's not necessarily always driven by what's the best thing for everybody. It's also driven by this idea of guilt and shame that he has from what he did in the past. And I mean, Stephen Graham is obviously amazing at a time when everybody gets called a Nazi you know, you get called a Nazi for liking a tweet to actually sort of see. It should wake people up to the idea that, you know, if we diminish, I actually think if we diminish, like, what the word Nazi means, then that's how these people get away with it, almost.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Worth mentioning the other people in it. Jason Fleming, Leanne Best, Jodie Prenger, I'll make Jodie Prenger all in it, all good. But two real standouts are Andrew Ellis, who plays the guy that comes forward to inform on his friends. And I think that's a really important thing about it. Uh, To inform on his friends, I think he is absolutely excellent in this. And they really drive home the point because it's easy to say, why do people join far-right groups and think, well, it's because they're racist. But lots of people are racist. They don't all join far-right groups. There's another stage there. And this is what this investigates. And it's about being a hopeless, isolated young man and what you find in those groups. And it's very much... That's why people don't come forward, because they consider them their friends, because some of these men have never had friends before. So it's about that sort of sense of camaraderie that you get. And I think it exposes that really well. The other person worth a mention is Dean Charles Chapman, who was probably for most people best known as or certainly for me. He played Tom and Baratheon, lovely, sweet fated tommen in game of thrones and he plays jack renshaw in this but what i would say for him is, and it's worth mentioning and i don't think this is a spoiler but jack renshaw was not just a far right extremist he was also a pedophile. so for a young man to take that role on i'm always really impressed when they do a bit like when um what's his face did it in black mirror alex lawther i think you can get yourself tarred with a brush when you take that sort of role. And I think to take it on is really
2: bold and I I'm, was impressed by by him in it. Sounds good. Mm. I've read good reviews, but all of the reviews were like, this is really good. It's quite hard to watch. And I was a bit like, I'll save that for another time.
1: Who has watched anything else? I haven't watched anything else, but I found out some information today that has made me excited for something forthcoming that Ooh. we will talk about And that, you've already mentioned, and that is the second season of The White Lotus, Mm. which, as we know, I'm very sad, cannot have Murray Bartlett in it, but will have Michael Imperioli in it. Really? Yeah. Christopher. So uh, that's exciting, isn't it?
0: There is also a, uh, something that's on Sky at the minute that I haven't watched that's got the fella Jake, what's his face, from The White Lotus. Oh, this is really, really well. You've this turned is, into your mom. <laughs> This is what people come here for. So, you know the one that was the the, the newlywed?
1: Yes, the really obnoxious one. And yeah. apparently he's even more obnoxious in what you're about to talk yes, about. Yes, he?
0: in, he's in a, a Sky... Oh, hang on. Sorry it's based on a true story it's got anna paquin and what it's called is escaping me but surely that information will and it's based on a true story and it's called a friend of the family thanks mickey who just googled that
1: (laughs) stop pulling the curtain back hannah (laughs) i don't know whether
0: it's good or it's not but it's there if you're a fan of white white lotus you might want to watch it because he was really good in white lotus and and i think that he'll probably nail this because it's about you know a man who who grooms a family into basically allowing him to have access to their daughter and he does seem the right mix of sort of handsome psychopath in White Lotus that you'd get away with that yeah he's called Jake Lacey Jake Lacey thank you Mickey again on the Google
1: stop it we're supposed to be the Wizards of Oz before Mm -hmm. they pull back the curtain any more for any more?
2: No, I just want to say, because you mentioned her a minute ago, Jodie Prenger's in Coronation Street now, and I fucking love her in it. She's great.
1: Oh, she's so fun. Until next month. Stop. Ta-ta.
0: Outside the box.